Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 29. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his body shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body (coughs) through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you to the word present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Well, the whole world has gone mad. This week, thousands of people downloaded a phone app that has a filter that makes people look older and younger. Here are some of my favourites and uh, you'll also notice that I did it to myself and the results were quite horrifying. Filters are amazing things because they can bring certain things into focus. One of the most crucial filters for how we see the world are our beliefs. As we come to the second part of our Colossians series, we'll see that what we believe about Jesus filters and focuses our lives on different things. And if you look around at the world, you'll find that lots of people believe lots of things about Jesus. Muslims believe Jesus was a prophet of Allah, whose body was switched to the cross. Mormons believe Jesus is the Archangel Michael, who travelled to America after his resurrection. Hindus believe Jesus was a holy man, who took Hindu spirituality to Israel. Many atheists and agnostics believe Jesus was a man, who people made into a god over time. A couple of years ago, a study crunched the numbers to determine the most influential figures in history. Elvis Presley came in at number 69. Queen Victoria came in at 16. The Prophet Muhammad came in at number 3. And number 1, by a big margin, was Jesus of Nazareth. The question, who is Jesus, still captivates Many of us, and it's the question our Bible reading focuses on today. In our passage, the Apostle Paul gives us a picture of Jesus, 
Then he gives us a picture of us. Then he invites us to focus our lives on Jesus. To be Christ focused. Let's look at Colossians 1.15 where Paul writes, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. This is a stunning poem, or perhaps even an early Christian hymn. The he refers to Jesus, the beloved son from verse 13, who Paul now tells us is the image of God and firstborn over all creation. Now firstborn here has nothing to do with birth order. It's a title. The firstborn son in Paul's day had all the rights of their father and was their representative and their heir. While many people in Colossae and even in our world today believe Jesus is a created being, Paul says no. Jesus created all things. Verse 16. For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created. If you heard last week's sermon, you'll remember that the Colossian church was under attack from two directions. The grumps were religious folk who wanted the Colossians to follow their religious rules. And the humps wanted Christians to buy their snake oil wisdom. Both the grumps and the humps believed Jesus was part of creation, not the creator. But here Paul writes in verse 17, Jesus is before all things. From the beginning, the people of God had shared the radical idea that their God was not part of creation, but created all things. Who created God? Well, nobody, because God is before all things. Here Paul is saying, Jesus is creator. He made us, and we belong to him. Next, Paul tells us that Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Read with me from the second half of verse 17. And in him all things hold together. And his is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For Paul, Jesus didn't just create everything. He is the one who keeps everything together. Jesus gives us the breath in our lungs and sets the beat in our hearts. Our planet may revolve around the sun, but the whole universe revolves around Jesus. Jesus is also the head of the church. The head is the command center, the guide for the body. And Paul is saying Jesus is the king, the boss, the top priority of the church. Then as now the church was being tempted to downplay Jesus, to see him simply as a good teacher. But friends, Jesus is the head of this church. He's our great high priest. He's the reason our church and every church exists. To downplay Jesus or move on from him is to chop off the head of the church. Jesus is the creator and sustainer of everything. And these two ideas point to Paul's conclusion. That Jesus is God. Now, for a monotheistic Jew to say, Jesus, a person like us, is God, is mind-blowing. The humps of this world, operating from a Greek mindset, saw this as foolishness. Bodies and physical things were part of the evil, perishing world, and to say that God became a man was disgusting. For the grumps to say that Jesus is equal with God was blasphemy, which is why Paul spent most of his time in jail or on the run. But he writes in verse 19, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his body shed on the cross. Paul sees Jesus' death on our behalf as the most important event of all time. This was such an offensive idea 
that Paul used to kill Christians for sharing it, until one day, on his way to capture Christians, he was struck down with blindness. Jesus changed Paul's filter and revealed to him that he is the God Paul was looking for. Now Paul encourages us to focus our lives on Jesus because Jesus alone is worthy of such attention. God alone is worthy of our worship. God alone is worthy of our ultimate focus because he is our creator and our sustainer and Jesus is God in the flesh. There is no hyperposition we can give Jesus. But Paul is telling us that this is precisely the position Jesus deserves. Now that Paul has painted a picture of who Jesus truly is, he tells us who we are. He compares the old us with the new us in Christ. Look at verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body to present you holy in his sight. This brings home for us what Jesus, God in the flesh, has done for us. Once we were alienated from God, but God has made a way back. There are so many things in our lives that distract and take our focus away from God. But Paul says that the only way back to God is through Jesus, God in the flesh. He paints a picture of the distance between us and God, no matter whether they were atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, or Calathumpians. Paul tells us the gospel, the good news, that the way back to God is through Jesus. He reminds us that no matter what anyone says about us, in verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, then you are saints, God's holy people forevermore. Like a wristwatch is made for telling us the time, and pork spare ribs were made for enjoying every night, you and I are made for God. There are so many comp- competing ideas about the purpose of life, but the Bible tells us we are made for a relationship with God. The African bishop Augustine of Hippo said it like this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In his picture of us, Paul paints God at the centre and invites us to be Christ-focused. We can run from God or pretend that God doesn't matter, but until we make Jesus our focus, our lives will be pictures of sadness, estrangement, and longing. In Jesus, we find everything we need. Wholeness, purpose, in the God who made us. I once shared a session about Christianity with recovering addicts. I told them about the hope, the peace, and the joy I find in Jesus. During question time, one of them asked me if I could find these things elsewhere. They obviously wanted all those things, but they didn't want Jesus. I had to respond that I didn't know anywhere else you could find these things apart from Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow, writes the hymnist, that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is the good news Paul loves to share with every creature under heaven. And he calls himself a servant of this message. He works tirelessly to serve the Lord. A grump would say he should do this to earn God's love. And a hub would say that he should do this to gain him wisdom. Paul says he does this because he's Christ focused. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking. 
Paul rejoices in everything he has suffered to tell others about Jesus. He's writing to the Colossians from jail, but his focus on Christ means this doesn't bother him. He wants us to be so in love with Jesus and so thankful for everything he's done that we'll stop at nothing to share this truth. He describes this good news as a mystery. Unfortunately, when we think of mystery, we think of Sherlock Holmes and something we need to uncover. Instead, the word here describes something that was covered but has now been made known. Paul saying that if you want to find the meaning of life, focus on Jesus. The meaning of life isn't found in a good job, perfect kids, amazing abs, a wonderful retirement, fame, fortune, or even personal happiness. Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the redeemer of life. And Jesus is the meaning of life. And it's here that Paul shows us what our lives, indeed the lives of our church, look like when we are Christ-focused. He says that his goal is to use all his energy to help others know Jesus. Verse 28. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we present everyone mature in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Here we're encouraged to proclaim and keep teaching each other about Jesus. This is why we're doing a kids program every week, so we can present everyone mature in Christ. This is why our Bible studies kicked off this week. This is why we have KYB, Cameo and Faith Walkers. This is why we do RI and serve in the Crisis Centre. We do this to increase our faith and help others know and understand Jesus more. Paul presents himself as a case study, but I'd like to offer you another case study of what it looks like to be Christ-focused. I once cared for a saint called Margaret, and she loved people so much that whenever they came into her presence, they knew the love of God. She would always tell people about Jesus, and she would always share the good news of what he has done for us. She would play the piano and paint beautiful paintings all to share the message of Jesus. But another thing you should know about Margaret is that she was born blind. And she would say to anyone who would have time to listen, I am so glad I was born blind so that the first face that I will see will be the face of Jesus. That is to live Christ-focused. Living your whole life in order to see Jesus face to face. I'm so glad I was born blind, so that the first face I see will be the face of Jesus. One day we will see Jesus face to face. Until that day, Colossians gives us a picture of Jesus, a picture of our lives outside Christ and in Christ, and encourages us to be Christ-focused. There are so many things vying for our focus, but the Bible tells us to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Majesty of Heaven, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Help us to put Jesus at the center of our focus. Help us to live our lives focused on him, looking to him. For to him belong the kingdom, the power, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.